especially if you're visiting with us today. Glad you're, you're in the place. Glad to see some faces I haven't seen for a while today, um, and I've uh, been praying for pretty deeply. Lots of things going on in our midst, and um, before we get started today, I want to do what we do every Sunday. I had somebody tell me just recently that uh, this is the only real prayer time they feel like they get every week, and um, we're working on that around here. But if this is the, the only time you get sort of a, a time to stop and, and pray, then uh, this is a great time for you, just to get a moment. I don't know what you brought in. Some of you um, literally brought in little baskets of people. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, other of you brought in things that we can't see, brokenness, illness, um, hurt, pain. Some of you I can even see that on... Um, Brenda Wade told me this morning she actually had a soccer injury this week. You'll have to talk to her about that, but Brenda Wade's got a, had a soccer injury, so she's on the DL if you're uh, keeping track in your fantasy league and you've got her as a player. So Andy had an accident this week too, and it's just we got lots of physical things going on amongst us. And, um, but in the meantime, God's in charge. And if you forgot that this week, um, this is a good time to give him back the reins of your life um, and take a deep breath. I got something to say today um, that comes straight from God, so I'm praying you, you get to hear it um, and that we can quiet our lives together. So let's pray together, and then we'll just jump right in. God, in the quiet of this room now, would you just um, quiet our hearts and our lives? We don't want just quiet. We want the peace that passes all understanding. Perspective on who we are. Energy for the next right thing. God, whatever we think we're hiding today, Would you own it, redeem it, God, whatever is broken in us today, would you fix it? And where we are tired, we choose the energy that comes from you. God, there's a hole in our hearts that only you will fill. We keep jamming other things in it. And our lives reject whatever we try to put where you belong. There are a lot of us in this place today who have been following you for a long time. And truthfully, God, we've got it wrong. There's a lot of us in this place today who have made lists of things that we feel like we have to do in order to earn your grace. And all it does is lead us to judgmental attitudes and further from you than we want to be. There are some of us in this place today, God, who have come here and are still trying to decide what they believe, but have tried everything else. Nothing works. 
We know that all of us, God, today, you know right where we are, and I pray that right by this prayer of faith, because I believe that you can and because I believe that you will, that you would speak life into us. You promised us that the, the word that you've spoken to us in the Bible doesn't return to you empty. So I'm praying that you would fill us with it, and then it, it would change who we are today. Not just give us a good feeling, not just a challenge, but that we would walk away from here physically, spiritually different. Because that's what your presence does. Those of us who are hard in our hearts, who are so hard that we feel like we have nothing left to change, or that you can't or won't do it, would you soften us at all costs? And we'll listen in your son's name. Amen. Oh, that felt good, didn't it? Well, I want to tell you where we're headed. Um, I thought we were just going to be headed here for the next few weeks, but over this um, time of preparing for this sermon, I've decided that uh, this is where we're headed for the rest of the year. Now, not this sermon, I promise. We're not going to spend the rest of the year on this sermon. Those of you who've been with us through the story may uh, find that relieving. Um, but uh, I, want to, I want to take us in a direction that uh, I've never preached before, and I think it is a great compliment and a great way to move forward from the story. And uh, so I'm going to kind of unveil that as we go through here, but I'm going to ask you to, to take a journey with me um, to connection with God. You know, as I've been preparing this sermon, I've been thinking back through my life. Um, man, you ought to try preaching a sermon sometime. You know, you ought to try. If you haven't ever preached before, um, some of you have, it is difficult. And especially, not, not only is it difficult to preach a sermon and to prepare every week, but to think about not just preaching once and then taking a few months and thinking about it. I've got to do it again. As soon as I'm done here, I start thinking about next Sunday. And I start thinking every time I preach about just what can I say that's fresh? What can I say that you haven't heard? The truth is I, I can't. But I believe that what God has done this, this week is freshen up a message for me that I'm hoping that you hear um, fresh as well. And it's about connecting with God. And as I've been thinking back through my life spiritually, and I know some of you are in this place too, I'm getting a little more gutsy um, with the way I preach. And so I'm going to say some things today that um, you may agree with, you may not. As you know, that doesn't offend me. Um, if you don't agree with me. Um, but I've been praying about this, and I believe this is what God wants me to say today. So I'm praying your, your hearts and your heads are open. But when I, when I think back on my life spiritually, I see um, some things that I hope are starting to change in me, but I also see it in you. And, and that's this game that I've played. And I, I'm trying not to do this right now in my life, but if I'm not careful, as life gets crazy, as the bills pile up, as busyness comes into my life, I quit spending time with God, I quit putting Him at the top of my priority list, and I drift back into this game, okay? And I'm going to call it a game this morning because I don't know what else to call it, and I believe that's what it is. Some of you are playing the game right now, even in your pew, you're playing this game. Uh, have you ever played the game Simon Says? Anybody played this game? You know this game? This is one of my daughter's favorite games because she's so bossy, and she can be Simon, and you have to do what she says. And so she's a very bossy little girl. She loves to play this game, and nothing she likes more than to, for her brother to be out when he doesn't do exactly what she says. But the way Simon Says works, I think this is so funny. I found this on the web. In case you need to know how to play Simon Says, there are step-by-step -step directions. I think that's hilarious. Um, um, but basically the way Simon Says works, if you're new to this game, um, is that uh, you, somebody is Simon, and they say, Simon Says, jump. And you jump. And then 
Simon says, turn around and spin, and you turn around and spin. And then, if you get moving real fast, the person who's supposed to be Simon will say, now crawl on your hands. And the people that crawl on their hands are what? They're out. This is the way I treated God for a good part of my college years. I played, not Simon says, but Jesus says. I played this game where I had all these rules that Jesus wanted me to obey in my life. Truthfully, it was miserable. It's a miserable way to live your life, to play Jesus says, <laughs> to just look and listen for what you think is the rule that you need to follow next. And if you don't obey the rule and you miss it, Jesus says go to church. Okay. Jesus says get up and do your devotions. Okay. Now look at that girl. Jesus didn't say, you're out. And what happens is, and I hit this place when I was a senior in college, what happens to you at some point in your life, if you're playing this game, is you turn around and you go, you know what? I hate this game. I'd rather go to hell. If this is what it means to go to heaven, I'll take hell. At least I'll know people there, you know? And I've seen it in your face, going, this is not worth it. I'm tired of playing the game. And truthfully, I think this is one of the best tools that Satan has when it comes to especially Christian people following Jesus. Because if, you have been a, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus in your life, no matter what you've done since then, you have the promise of eternal life. You have the promise of Jesus. Now, you can live hell on earth if you choose to, but you have the promise of heaven. The enemy would, can't steal your soul, but would love to steal your happiness. And he would love for you today to think that your relationship with God is a big game of Simon Says. I want to start to kill that in the way we think today. Because here's what Simon Says does. Here's what playing Simon Says or Jesus Says in your life does. Here's what happens when the only thing you care about when it refers to God is obeying the rules. Here it is. Makes you feel like you're playing a game with your life. Which is okay until something goes wrong. Then you feel like you're being punished by God for some reason. You feel like that it had something to do with something you said, and all of a sudden you realize that your life isn't a game and you only have one of them. If you play Jesus Says or Simon Says, it makes you feel like you've got a wrong understanding about God. You really totally don't understand the purpose of God. You know what Jesus said when he came, when he came to earth? He said, he said, I've come to show you what the Father's like. In fact, that was a pretty huge statement. The people that were around Jesus at the time said, wait a minute, we can call him Father? <laughs> for you and I, we do it a lot. If you've been in church, you know we call him Father. But that was a first for, for them. Jesus came and said, I, 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 you, can, you can call him Father. And everybody said, what? And not a father like your father. <laughs> He's not a reflection of your father. He's perfect father. The other thing that playing Jesus, or playing Jesus says does that I think has broken churches all over America and it, we have some brokenness in our church because of it, is that if you play, Jesus says, it makes you judge those who aren't playing. You spend a lot of your time looking and judging those who aren't playing. See, what would happen to me is I would play this game, I would quit playing at one time or another. I'd get so frustrated, because this is what you do if you're playing the game. You get so frustrated. This is what Reese does when they're playing Simon Says. He gets so frustrated with London being in charge. He gets so frustrated with the fact that he can't quite do it, that at some point he just quits. It's better not to play at some point. And this is what I would do. I'd quit. I'd give up. And then i go to church camp. Or i go to church and i hear something. Or I would do And my thought was not, I need to dedicate my life to following Jesus again. It was, 
I need to get back in the game. I need to get back to finding out what, what's next in the game. Now, the problem isn't, isn't that God, I'm not saying today that, that God wants you to not behave or not believe. That's not the problem. The problem is we put that before what is the most important thing to God, and that is a relationship. Next slide. You check this out. When I was a kid, anybody know this game, Ungame? You ever seen the Ungame? Nobody. Good reason for this. This is a terrible game. Um, when I was a kid, when our family would get together, this is the game my mom would choose. It's called the Ungame. And the reason, if you can see down at the bottom, it says non-competitive, everybody wins. Basically, what you do is you go around the board and you pick a card and you tell them, you tell that, you know, if you, if you pick the school card, the question might be something like, what's the most frustrating thing about school to you? And you tell the whole group, and then you put the card back. And I'm at the point in my life where I'm in basketball practice. I'm learning competition. Last thing I want is to play a game where nobody wins. Basically, what I would say is not everybody wins. Everybody loses at the end game, okay? When I was a kid, mom would say, guys, it's time to play the end game. And we'd go, no, let us do chores. Let us do anything but the end game. But the truth is, the end game is about relationships. It's about building relationships. And from an early age, men especially... Even boys shy away. We pull away from that from a very early age. And what I want to talk about over these next few weeks, and you know that last week I talked a little bit about prayer, and that's where we're headed. But before we get too deep into the prayer subject, I want to talk about what God really wants from your life. You know, if you were to, and this is going to be really hard for those of you who are Christians, in fact, I think it's probably impossible, but if you were to take all the things you know about God and Jesus out of your brain, if somehow I could wipe them all out, sometimes I wish we could do that, just wipe away out everything you've ever heard about Jesus and God, and all you were to do is to pick up the Bible and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just the four Gospels, if you were to wipe away everything else and just read those, you know what you'd find? you would find that what God wants most from you and the reason Jesus came is not a set of rules. The reason Jesus came is to to connect with you in a relationship. And if you're a man today, you go, oh, not another relationship. Shudders you. Because we've screwed up relationships on earth. We've messed them up in a lot of ways. And and what I've got to tell you is that the relationship that God and that Jesus has invited us into is completely different than anything that we've been a part of. And he says this, that first we got to follow, then we got to trust, and then we make this connection that changes who we are. I pray for a lot of you, and this is my desperation for you as somebody who just loves you and somebody who's been called to preach, is that you would get this today. And I've been praying about it. Jesus uses a word throughout his time on earth. If you were just to pick up the Bible and just read it for the first time and not hear anything else about God, you would hear that Jesus says the word follow a lot. If you look through the life of Jesus, he says this word to all different kinds of people. He says it to people who are, who are so far from God that you wouldn't believe it. He says it to people who are interested in following him. He says it to all kinds of people. And this word means so many different things in all, our culture, but to Jesus it meant one thing. It meant come be a part, come do life with me, come step where I step. And then it also meant this, it meant you be associated with me and I'll be associated with you. And Jesus said this all the time. Somebody would come to him and say, hey, what do I have to do to be right with God? And he'd say, follow, follow. 
fact, it happened one time with this guy named Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. This is one of my favorite pieces of scripture in all the Bible. I love the calling of a guy named Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector. And if you're new to the Bible or you haven't heard much about tax collecting, basically this was the armpit of society. Matthew was the armpit of society. I don't, I don't know how to talk about it other than if, you know the, the kid that stands outside the grocery store or the alley and he sells drugs to junior high kids. You know that gross feeling you get about that guy? That's the way people felt about Matthew. That's all I can think of. I can't think of any other way to say it. This guy was the armpit. He was the gross guy. He was the he was the gross guy in the community. And the reason he was, because the way they did taxes then, it was different than the way we do it now. A little bit. <laughs> it was taxation. You know, now we are ta- no taxation without representation. If you need to hear, understand that, go Google it. It's part of our history. At this point in history, there was no representation, and the Roman government could tax any way they wanted to. They could tax as much. So they had tax on streets. They had tax on on food, on wine, on the harbor that you lived in. They would tax everything they could possibly tax. And the way they did it is they go into a small town like Judea. They go into this small town, and they would auction off the right to tax the people in the community. Can you imagine if they did that in America? <laughs> they go into a small town, and can you imagine if they walked in and they said, okay, I'm going to go into Ellettsville. Anybody who wants to tax people in Ellettsville, government, the government just wants 4%. That's all they want. You can take whatever you want after that. Whatever you can get, whatever you can force people to give you, you can take whatever you want. And people would stand in line. The richest people would bid on the right to tax people. So Matthew had bid on the right to tax people. He would go into people's lives and get enough money to pay the Roman government out of their taxes, but then he would get as much as he could himself. They were the armpit of society. They had, they had given in to Rome. And these people, maybe you know people like this, they weren't allowed to hang out with other people. In fact, all the tax collectors would hang out together because ain't nobody else going to hang out with tax collectors. So they had these little groups of, of tax collectors that would hang out with each other, and everybody despised them. Now, Jesus does what he did his entire life on earth. Guess where he goes? He went to Matthew, who is sitting at a booth, probably next to the water, taking taxes from the boats that are coming in. And if you're going to sell fish, you're going to give me money. And if you're going to launch your boat there, you've got to give me money. And some of it goes to the Roman government, but everybody else knows my left pocket is for me and the right pocket is the government. And I'm going to fill my left pocket as much as I can fill it. And Jesus walks up to Matthew. And Jesus could have said anything to Matthew, you know? Jesus could have said anything to Matthew. He could have gone up to Matthew and gone, boy, I bet your mama's proud. <laughs> he could have instilled guilt in him. He could have said this. This is what a lot of Christians do and a lot of churches do. He could have said this. He could have gone up to Matthew and gone, Hey, Matthew, if you can, live that, if you can just leave that whole life that you're living right there, you could come follow me and you could be a part of us. If you could just give that whole thing up, you could come and be a part of us. Doesn't that sound good? It just, I'll tell you what. I'll be back in a week, Matthew, and we'll see how all this is going. And if you've quit it, if you've stopped all this, you can come follow me. He doesn't do that. He goes, Matthew. But here's what he says. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. By the way, Matthew's writing the book, and you're like, hey, that's you. Yeah, he's telling his own story. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. Jesus didn't say, here's a list. He didn't say, you've got to make a change in who you are. He didn't say, by the way, you're the armpit of society. Your mama probably is embarrassed by the very sight of you. He didn't say any of that. He just goes, hey, Matthew, 
Come this way. Come this way. I want to give you a little relief for this moment this morning. You know what God wants from you? You know what Jesus wants from your life right now? You know what he wants most from you right this moment? It's not to quit smoking. Do you know that? What Jesus wants most from you right this moment is not to quit cussing. It's not to quit cheating. It's not to quit lying. What he would say to you if, you were in the, if he was in your face right now, what he would say to you and what I believe he's saying to you through this sermon is follow me. Just test it. Just try it. Just follow me. Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time, something just boiled in you. If you've been following Jesus, if you've been working at it, if you've been playing Simon Says with your faith, something just boiled over in you and you say, in your mind, in your brain, nobody said it out loud, thank you, but you're saying, it can't be that easy. Can it be that easy? It's not fair. It can't be that easy. People are saying that all over America right now. They're the If you want to find a group of Christians who feel that way, go look for the tiny churches that haven't grown at all in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, you'll find them. These are people who go, yeah, it can't be that easy. I'll make up the rules. And once I get the rules made, then then you can follow. But here's what happens. There's a whole group of people then that are playing the game. They're playing Jesus says. They're playing, not at that point, they weren't playing Jesus says, they're playing God says. They had, their whole life was set up. Can you imagine living this life? Somebody would say, hey, what do you do for a living? And these people called the Pharisees would say, I'm good. That's what I do for a living. I'm a good person. No, no, what do you do for your life? No, that's my job. I'm, I'm, my job is to be good. It's to be a good person and to make other people be good and to create rules to help you from being good. So what they would do, not only were they playing God says, they were making up the rules to God says, and then holding other people to it. And it made Jesus so frustrated. It made him so mad. It's the only time you see Jesus really angry in the Bible is when he, he sees these, these people who are close to God who are supposed to be leading spiritually who are playing this game with people and making up the rules. And they are standing outside this thing and going, this just isn't fair. And Jesus has this response. Next slide. The very next scene, Matthew says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, don't skip by that. So here's what Jesus did. He goes, hey, Matthew, come follow me. And then right afterwards, he goes, by the way, Matthew, we're going to your house. Hope you got food. We're going to your house. Now, one thing you should know about Jesus, one of the things you should know about Jesus, and and this is absolutely true today, and it was true while he was on the earth, is he found himself very comfortable with people who didn't look or act like he did. He never had the reaction that I see on Facebook from a lot of Christians. The shock, the horror, the anger, he didn't. Jesus, when he got angry the most, it was at hypocrites. It was at people who were following God. The people that were far from God, the people that seemed to be leaving a life that far from God, Jesus didn't agree with it, but he wasn't shocked by it. He seemed to, in fact, be comfortable around them. And they were comfortable around him. Jesus, uh, my grandpa would say, was winsome. That's an old word. You know the word winsome? Nobody says that anymore. The idea of the word winsome is that when you're around people, you just kind of win their favor. You just, you know people like this. People that are smart, but they don't need to tell you. People that are pretty, but don't show off. People that are funny, but don't have to be the funniest person in the room. People that are loving, 
but don't act like they're more loving than everybody else. This was Jesus. People that are so competent in themselves that you just want to be around them. I don't want to embarrass her, but my wife is this way. Absolutely. She won me. <laughs> I'd call her winsome. Just, just the kind of person you want to be around. This was Jesus. He was the kind of person you want to be around. Now, at the same time, he could say the hard thing. He had so much confidence in himself. But he said this. Matthew says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So the disciples are going, Jesus, this whole asking tax collectors to follow you thing, that's just a game, right? You just did that with Matthew. You're not going to do that anymore. Because when somebody follows you, Jesus, they're associating themselves with everyone else that follows you, right? Jesus goes, yeah. And the rest of Jesus' disciples go, I don't want to associate myself with tax collectors. And Jesus goes, too late. If you're following me, you're associating yourself with those who are hurting, those who are broken, and that means their baggage comes with it. So the disciples end up at Matthew's house eating eating dinner. This is the armpit of society. These are the people that when the disciples normally see the tax collectors, they go, boy, stay away from them. That is the armpit. I don't ever want to be around them. Now they find themselves eating dinner with them. Check this out. When the Pharisees saw this, these are the people whose job is to be good. The Pharisees weren't invited to this party. They're outside and they're watching Jesus. The Pharisees saw this. They asked the disciples, Who does your teacher, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why, why is Jesus? And what they're really saying is, Why is he eating with them and not us? We're the good people. See, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And they were rabbis and teachers. They were people who were supposed to be expressing the word of God. And there's no question by this point that Jesus was doing something that had to come from God. And the Pharisees knew it, but were testing him and were trying to catch him and all these different things and just really wanted to be associated with him. But Jesus kept going, no, you guys are playing a game that I'm not interested in. You should know this, that if you're here today and you insist on playing the game, if you insist on making up rules, and holding other people to them, you're going to be outside the party. You're going to be outside of where Jesus is. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, now this is really interesting to me. So Jesus, you've got to get this picture. So there's, disciples must be kind of coming and going from these, this party. The Pharisees are outside this house, and the houses are to, so small, you can hear everything, and you know what's going on in there, and everything's happening. Disciples are kind of coming and going, and one of the Pharisees goes, hey, go ask your teacher, why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors like this, the armpit of society? So, he, so one of the disciples goes in and is like, Jesus, here's what they're saying out there. And Jesus says this, I think loud enough for everybody to hear it. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And then he goes, (laughs) this is totally Jesus. He looks back at the disciples and he goes, go tell the Pharisees this. Tell them to go learn what this means. You know what, whose job it is to learn and to teach? It's the Pharisees. Jesus goes, they don't know what this means, apparently. Tell them to learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus quotes a piece of scripture from Hosea chapter 6, if you're interested. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then Hosea goes on to say, God says, I desire acknowledgement of God, not just burnt offerings. Jesus clarifies. He says, and if they still don't understand it, tell them this, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I think this is interesting. It's kind of a side note. Jesus looks um, at the room and he says, I'm, I'm here for the sick, not the healthy. And, and Matthew's in that room. 
And all of these sinners and tax collectors and these gross people are in that room. And they're, you kind of get, I wonder if Matthew's like, hey Jesus, <clears throat> I'm right here. Are you calling me sick? And Jesus, because he's so confident, because he can somehow be loving and confident at the same time, there's almost this thought in him where he just goes, yeah, you know it. If you're here today and you're visiting and you're far from God and you're kicking the tires on this thing, it would really offend you if I called you sick. It really would. And I'm not as winsome as Jesus. So I won't do it. But here's the thing. You know it, don't you? You know it. If you're sick. If things aren't right. You know it if you've tried over and over and over something that is broken. You know it when your life is broken. Even those of you who have walked into this building today and you keep walking into this building and you walk out and nothing changes. You go home and you do the same thing. You go back to the same life. You do the same, play the same game. You know you're sick. It's broken. And Jesus goes, I came for those people. If you can't acknowledge it, you need to get outside the party. Before we move on, I want to tell you this, that the church itself and those who care about it find themselves outside the party often while Jesus is inside. If, if you're here today and, and you care about this church at all, if you want to see us grow, if you want to see us fill that parking lot, we talk about it all the time, don't we? We've been talking about it since I've been here, six years. We've been talking about filling these pews. We've been talking about someday we'll have to build bigger. We've been talking about someday we'll have to park more people. Someday the entire, we'll just have to have the whole town of Paragon. It'll be coming here. If you want it, you've got to be on board with Jesus. You've got to be comfortable with those who don't act, look like you. Okay, that's not why I'm preaching this sermon. It's just a really good thing. Next slide. One more there, Tanya. Okay, one more. Sorry, I went through that. So here's the thing. about Jesus goes through this, this group, and after he tells Matthew to follow him, it, he begins to make it clear that this is what he wants from us, to follow. Okay, And the problem is that the, the Pharisees, the, the group of people that aren't following Jesus, they're, they're just behaving and believing. That's all they do. And there's nothing wrong with behaving and believing. But what Jesus says is, you've got it in the wrong order. You've completely missed this. He says this. A Pharisee would say this. A Pharisee and some Christians I know would say this. You change what you're about, and then you can join us. You guys go ahead and change. And now I've heard this said really nicely by Christian people. Really nicely. Sit down in a meeting and say, you know what? We just can't have that kind of behavior in the church. Meaning, go fix yourself, then you can be a part of us. You know what Jesus said over and over and over? And what he would have us say to a community that is hurting in front of us and that is sick, he would have us say, join us and you will change. Like you are, follow me, and you'll change. Jesus said, I came to, to tell you how, about what the Father is like. It's a relationship. He said, I came to tell you about the vine and the branches. Have you ever heard Jesus talk about this? He talks about it like this. And as we go through the rest of our year um, on Sunday mornings, here's where I want to lead us. I want to lead us to really follow 
Jesus. Not play the game. Not act like we're playing the game. Not, not make a list and check it off. But to really follow Jesus. And I don't know exactly all that means yet. I'm praying it myself and I'm trying to work through it. But it means something like this. Jesus came and he said to a whole group of people, he said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. The vine never looks at the branches. He's probably in a vineyard at this point. This is why Jesus taught. He would point to things and stuff. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He said, the vine doesn't look at the branches and go, you do this, and you be this, and you check that off your list, and if you're not this, then you're in big trouble. He, what the vine does is have all the nutrients, all the energy, all the life in him. <laughs> you know what the branch's job is? To plug in. You plug into the vine. Jesus says, if you plug into the vine, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You plug into the vine, you'll start bearing fruit. But we do this backwards. What we do is we go, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to really try hard to be good and bear fruit. And we grit our teeth and we, I'm going to get up earlier and I'm going to have my quiet time. And I'm going to, and nothing pops out. Hopefully. <laughs> and we go, you know, God, I've just tried. And I've heard this from you and I've seen this from you. I've tried. I've tried to get up earlier and have my quiet time. I've tried to pray. I've tried to... The Bible doesn't paint that picture about obedience. The Bible says this. Jesus says this. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. You abide in me. You come to me when it hurts. You spend your life with me. You try to dig deep into me. You follow me. You just do what I do. And when you do that, you'll have energy that comes from a different place. Because here's the thing. What God has always wanted and what Jesus came to tell us is that he is interested in a personal relationship with you and doing life with you. And here's what that means. And I told Risha on the way here, I'm going to talk about you today. Is that okay? She's like, as long as it's good, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know any better way to explain this than to talk about my wife. I'll have to deal with it on the way home. But here's the thing. I obey the rules of our marriage. I do it. We have some rules in our marriage, all of them unsaid. She doesn't have a list for me to follow. I promise to love and cherish her. I think I do a pretty good job with that. I promise that I would be a one-woman man, that I would not have an affair, that I would not go outside of our marriage, and I've never done that, and I never will. I don't have any reason to. I don't want to. I've never done that. I'm a pretty good boy. We have some other rules about trash. But the truth is, it's not about obedience, is it? Never was. It never was about obedience. You know why I obey? You know why I'm a good husband? I am madly in love with my wife. I just am. I ain't seen that now. I get my points back. I'm madly in love with my wife. And I want to let you know this morning that this is the relationship with God. You, if you put the rules first... If you put the rules first, it doesn't work. But if you put the love first, if you put the relationship first, if you put that first, the rules follow. And all of a sudden you find yourself obeying. I was talking to my mom recently and I said, I'm preaching this series about following and about being close to Jesus. And I said, I just don't know how to talk about this to people. And I don't want people to feel like there's a checklist. And my mom's like... I. I, she said, I don't even know how to talk about it anymore. I just wouldn't want a day to go by 
without starting with Jesus and without falling into him all the moment. That's the way it is. If somebody came to me and said, now, John, you have to get up every morning and spend time with Risha. You have to give every, every Friday night when your grandma will take the kids, <laughs> you have to go on a date with Risha. I, my first reaction would be, well, I might want to go play golf. I don't want to. But if my, if my calling is to love my wife, if my calling is to be in a deep relationship with my life, my wife, then the, the rest of it comes naturally. This Can I get a head nod or a sign of life? Can you fog a mirror this morning? Something? Can, can I tell you this morning, this is what God wants from you. It's not a list of rules because if you do the rules first, in fact, if you're here and you're taking notes and you're going to say, I want to be a Christian, would you give me a list of things to do? Please don't take notes because that will only get you farther from what God wants from you. Do you understand that this morning? Those of you who have been following Jesus that way, you're not following. You're leading. And you can't lead the Creator. And what it makes you is mean grumpy, judgmental, and bad for the name Jesus. So here's the thing today. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you're kind of hearing me throw down today. It's kind of fun. If you're here today and you're not a Christian and you have been treated with that kind of a eh, like you're a tax collector. If you've been treated poorly by a Christian, I want you to know that that's us. Because we're hypocrites. We, we're a mess. We are. We don't do what we say we'll do. It's the nature of who we are. We're trying to do better all the time. But do not for a second think that's God. That is not Jesus. That's us messing that up. You understand that? I want to be very clear with that today. When we follow Jesus, when we really follow Jesus, when we, when we are the branches and He is the vine, it pops out things in us that are peace and hope and joy and it makes us different. And if you don't see that in us, it's because we've been playing a game. There's a group of us in this church that have said, we're not playing the game anymore. We want to follow the way Jesus met. Next slide. So following Jesus means this. Okay, we're almost done. Following Jesus means this, and this is what I want to do before we get into prayer, because if, if we get in, I almost preached a prayer sermon this week, and then I realized you're going to think of it as another list of things to do. It's just another, more rules for the game, and I don't want you to do that. I want to get right what following Jesus is. First of all, following Jesus, one of the prerequisites for following Jesus is being a sinner. <laughs> if you're here and you're not a sinner, you're not allowed to follow Jesus. <laughs> If you haven't fallen short, if you can't look and say, I have a sickness in me, some of you may find it today that it's judgmentalism, that you've been playing a game. You can come to Jesus and go, I want to start over. I want to follow you. So secondly, following Jesus means there is no specific sin that keeps you from following, no matter how bad it gets. Now, this is something that got me in trouble about 10 years ago, and I thought at the time, well, I'll never say that again, and I'm about to say it again. And I prayed about it, and I took it out of my PowerPoint, and I prayed about it, and I took it out of my PowerPoint, and I took it out, and I put it back in today because I believe absolutely this is the truth. And I got scriptures ready to back it up, so come at me. <laughs> Being an unbeliever does not disqualify you from following Jesus. You know who didn't believe in Jesus? Matthew. Jesus was winsome. He's, Jesus said, come follow me. All right. He didn't believe. 
Have you ever read the New Testament enough to know that two years into Jesus' ministry, when all of his disciples were around him, these people were living with him all the time, Jesus would go, why don't you guys believe? They still haven't believed. Have you ever read in the Bible enough to know that after Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, stood in a room again, that Thomas looked at him and go, well, I don't know. Jesus says, even if you're unbelieving, come follow me. That makes Christians really mad sometimes. But it is absolutely the picture of Jesus' ministry. And if you're here today and you don't believe, I want you to know that you can start to follow anyway. Go talk to my friend Joe. Joe wouldn't care this morning. I didn't tell him, but Joe was an atheist when we met. Didn't believe in God, did you? Didn't believe in God at all? Behold Jesus. Like the teaching? Something resonated? Follow Jesus. Now he's a baptized believer and helping lead our church. It's what God intends. Follow me is what he says. If you're here today and you don't believe any of this, I challenge you to do this. I challenge you. This is awesome. If you're, if you're an unbeliever and you're just kicking the tires on this thing, go to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read something that Jesus has done, something, just a scenario of Jesus. You can just close your eyes and pick one and say, I want to live like that. You don't have to believe that he's divine. You don't have to believe that he's part God. You don't even have to believe that he's historical. Just say, I want to live like that and see what happens. Just follow him a little bit. That's the call. The invitation is not to follow rules. Rules don't make a relationship. The invitation is to a relationship with the creator of the universe. And finally, when you choose to follow Jesus, and this is what I'm so excited about for Christians and myself included in this, when I choose to follow Jesus, not when I choose to lead by making up my own rules and acting like that's what God wants from me, what, when I choose to follow Jesus, it forces me to focus on where I am instead of where you aren't. You understand that? And in that kind of a scenario, in that kind of an environment, where I am doing everything I can to follow Jesus, and I want to help you follow Jesus in the same way, and I'm not pointing at you for the things you're not doing and the things you still are doing and can't seem to forget and can't seem to quit doing, in that kind of environment, this building won't contain the number of people that want to be in the winsome presence of a risen Savior. And we can quit screwing it up. Myself included. So today, before we move on to prayer, we're not going to do that today. We're going to do that next week, okay? Band, you guys can come up. Everybody always takes a deep breath when I say that. Myself included. Today, I'm going to ask you to stop playing games. Some of you, it's going to make you mad. But I'm going to ask you to stop playing the game. Now, that doesn't mean stop behaving and believing. That's part of what we do. That's part of who we are. But that comes from our relationship with God. And when it comes first, everything breaks. Today, admit you're sick. If you're far from God today, and you feel like a tax collector, the best thing you can do is go, yep, that's me. It's broken. Now, here's a great invitation for those of you who are Christians who have been living a grumpy life. Join the party, will you? Guess where the party is? 
with the broken people. I don't know how to say it anywhere. That's where our God wants us to be. If you're, a, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower, if you're going through some junk in your life right now that doesn't make sense, it doesn't add up, it's not fair, it doesn't work, you can't see yourself making it until the next point, what God wants most from you to do is to engage in what he's been doing from the beginning of everything, and that is saying to those who are broken, there's a better way. And then finally, this week, when the enemy whispers in your ear, who do you think you are? Some of you are getting that. We talked about it this morning. When the enemy whispers in your ear, you're a terrible dad. You're an awful mom. You just ask yourself this. Don't ask, am I going to church regularly? Don't ask, am I doing my quiet time? Don't even ask, am I praying? Ask, am I following? Am I just following? That's what Jesus wants from you today. You want to know what God wants from you? Follow. One word. See, follow throughout the story of Jesus leads to trust. It did with my wife and I, too. I followed her around everywhere. She was going to ride a mountain bike. Sure, I'll ride a mountain bike. And then it came to this level of trust. Changed. And then a connection that can never be broken what God wants from you today. If you're tired of playing the game, I'm going right back there to that corner. We can burn the game together. I'll start it with the kindling of ungame. <laughs> I love you. And I want to follow Jesus with you. I don't want to play games. We don't have time for it. None of us have the energy for it. Today, would you answer Jesus' call to Matthew and follow? Stand with us and sing.